Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How about yourself? Oh, I'm super excited and I'm full of coffee. Excellent. <laughs> so <laughs> I like coffee. I'm, I'm a big coffee drinker. And so now that I've got like seven cups in me, I'm ready to go. I'm shaking a little bit. Yeah. I had a client tell me this morning or ask me this morning, how many did you have? I said, well, too many. So <laughs> I have a two, too many. So two, yeah, too many. seven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I, I know you sent me some notes ahead of time. I'm excited about the conversation today because I am a business owner and today we're talking about 10 questions every business owner should ask. That's correct. So, you know, we've talked in the past, I think we have a fairly unique wealth management process. We mm-hmm. certainly get involved in investment management like most advisors, but when it comes to advanced planning, we focus a great deal on wealth enhancement, which is cash flow strategies, tax savings. We focus on wealth transfer, you know, making making sure that once you're ready to transfer the assets to your charities, to your beneficiaries, that they go smoothly, quickly to the right people. Wealth protection, you know, making sure that your assets are assets are not unjustly taken. And today, what I wanted to talk about are there's ten questions that we ask business owners that really address wealth enhancement, wealth transfer, wealth protection, and also some charitable giving. But in general, I think help clarify and help us help the advisors, you know, his, his or her advisor team, clarify mm-hmm. the goals and make sure that we're planning for the client in the way that they want us to reach their goals. All right, let's hit it. We've got 10 questions. What's number one? So number one is, I'll typically ask them, you know, how do you see your involvement in your business changing or evolving in the future. So mm. these are business owners I'm talking to. Typically, they're second, sometimes first generation. And what this question does is it allows me to gather information really about who, you know, how and when they are they would like to exit. So, for example, for me personally, you know, I've been in this business since 1986, which means it's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. I have five children. And none of them, I I made them all work at the business, but none of them as a result probably want to work here. And they're all doing their own things and they're doing great. So for me, I'm looking internally, you know, for a succession plan. And as a result, I might want to completely exit. Whereas I have a lot of clients who, you know, they're thinking, well, you know, my child, my son or daughter or multiple kids want to be in the business. You know, I'm 62, I'm 60 but I want to make sure that I'm there with them. I think it'll be fun to work with them. So they might decide to stay longer. So this really helps me identify how long, you know, how they see their role changing and how they see themselves in the business in the future, which helps, you know, helps me with the planning process. So I can imagine as a business owner, you know, you're creating your business, Eric, you probably have thought about this also. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and again, neither one of my children will follow in my footsteps as far as, uh, business coaching at this point, and that may change. My daughter does want to go to college for business, um, but she's already working full time and there's a, she's actually may become part of a succession plan for the place that she's working. Uh, but she just needs to add that education piece to it, which is great. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful place, but yeah, I, I may sell the business at some point, or I may just shut down the business depending on what's going on. 
Exactly. So that leads to the question two, which is, you know, what for you or for any of my clients, as I talk to them, you know, what's that next great adventure after you leave your business? And mm. for, for some clients, th- there is no, you know, great adventure. It is they love the business. And I'll tell you something, in working with a number of attorneys, it seems like in that profession, oftentimes they can scale back and they can continue to work and they like to work into their 70s. They're just, it, they're ingrained in it. They just love it. Whereas sometimes business is just so stressful. Things are just changing so rapidly and quickly. They, they might want to just say, no, I want to get out or I have other things I want to do. I'd, I'd like to write that book or I'd like to do more travel. What I've also found is a lot more people, and I think, you know, I've, I've found I'm doing this, this also is they try to chase their kids, right? So, the next great adventure with the mobility of this next generation, like I personally have children across the country, you know, we want to chase our grandkids. We want to go on vacations. We want to see them. So oftentimes that, you know, is a driver. So for me, when I ask, you know, what's that next great adventure? What do you want to do when you leave the business? It really, it really forces them to think over time about, you know, th- this business is me. I created it. It's personal. What am I going to do when I leave? Yeah, that's, that's, it's funny you say that because I've always thought I would love to do scuba diving tours, right? I, I was a licensed scuba diver for a number of years. I love scuba diving. However, <laughs> circumstances at this point, Tim, I've got grandkids and I know mm-hmm. that I will never be able to get my wife to move anywhere farther than about 30 minutes from the grandbabies. So exactly. there's not a lot of scuba diving to be had in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So my plans might have to change. I'm <laughs> taking people on tour of really muddy lakes. Yay. Exactly. Can't see anything. Exactly. Welcome to scuba diving. So yeah, no, yeah I might have to change It's all about plans. adapting, Eric. That's what I say, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah. and, that, and you know, you, you, I know you haven't seen the list, but they lead into question three, which is, you know, what obstacles could derail your plans well, there you it know, is. for your business, for your personal, you know, so in my, I have a client who has been a um, physician, a specialty physician his whole career. And not just a specialty, but a, a super highly educated specialist and built a phenomenal practice. And when the Affordable Health Care Act came in, it changed how reimbursements are, are paid to physicians. It changed how it p- pretty much forced by design most physicians to go over to start working with hospitals or large clinics. I think the in, in effect, the government would like to make one payment to one big clinic or hospital and then, and then have them figure it out. Mm-hmm. But that completely derailed this plan he had for you know growing the practice, contributing to the community, growing into the community, bringing in somebody as a successor. And literally in about two years, he had to completely change the plan. So yeah. we, we, we just try to continually talk and keep it on the agenda about... What what obstacles do you see? Technology, competition, family, chasing the kids. You know, okay, now I want to live in Colorado. I don't want to. I no longer want to live in Chicago. Maybe so things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, and and another thing that going back to even what's your next great adventure? These two tie in together so well. What happens if the business owner, their personality is what really drove their client base? Right. Right. It's their personality. It's their it's their presence. So selling the business may be very disastrous for the, the the person taking it over or, you know, the succession plan, just because it was so much based on the original, you know, person that, that opened the business. And those were the strong relationships. And that's got to be taken into consideration as well. 
Yeah. And, you know, your comment at the very beginning where you said, well, you might just, you know, close the doors and mm-hmm. unwind the business. I think I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, I, I have more clients who are business owners and more people I meet who are business owners think that than not, which, which surprised me because, you know, you've invested all this time, you've created this goodwill, you've created something that's operating, generating revenues. There's a value for it. And it supports the fact that, you know, as we get to the next question, which is what role does your business need to play in helping you achieve your financial freedom? 98%, according to studies of business owners, don't know what the value of their business is, yet typically it's the source of their cash flow. It's the sort it's the biggest asset on their balance sheet. And, you know, we really this is an important question we we talk to a lot of people about because we want them to think about how that business and how that cash flow can protect them once they decide to leave. So this yeah. is a critical question. Yeah. And and so how far in advance does somebody need to plan for that? I mean, to plan their exit. Because it going back to and not to not to make it all about me, Tim, but <laughs> if I plan to try to sell my business uh, as a coach and a consultant, I'm going to have to build up my business to have other coaches and consultants on board with me to where I develop a full plan that's all, you know, it, it's still based off of my work and the the coaching style and, and techniques that I use. However, replicatable with other coaches. At this point, I don't see myself doing that. That's why that one of the options would be for me just to go ahead and shut the business down if it's based on me and and nobody else. But if I want to create something that is sellable, if you, if you will, or transferable to a, a like a succession plan, how, how far in advance do people really need to be planning for that? Do you think? Well, I, based on experience, I've at least five, sometimes, you know, I've had plans that take eight to nine years. And yeah. the, the starting point is, there, there's value drivers, there's benchmarks, there's a way to calculate the value of your business. And that's really where we start. And if I calculate the value of your business today, and we talk about the drivers in your industry, in your mm-hmm. specific business that can really make the business worth the most as much as possible, then over time, we can build that up and we can continually update that valuation. And you can see, you know, and you may in the end decide, okay, I don't want to grow. I don't want to be have a big team. I really want to stay small and I just want to shut down. But at the very least, you're making an informed decision. Yeah, absolutely. And then I know what my business, what role my business needs to play in helping my financial future. And that is, I need to be socking away the money that I'm earning while the business is open, <laughs> right? There's no, yeah, there's no, no sale exactly. to it. So yeah. That's right. You, you need to diversify from the business and just yeah. pile as much away as possible. Yeah. You know, and that gets to question five, which is, all right, so what is your plan for ownership? So, you know, I am 57. This is 2020. I'm always trying to make sure, but I started my <laughs> succession planning thought process in 2014. So wow, yeah. I'm literally six years into it. It took me the first four or five years to kind of formulate the plan. And and then obviously things change. So you're always updating it. But the point is, is you always people spend their time in the business. You need to step out and just focus on the business. So when I ask a client, you know, what's your plan? Do you plan to pass ownership to a key person? Do you plan to sell it to an outside owner? Is there a market for it? You know, what about your family, your kids? It really helps them. It helps me at least start to formulate a plan going forward. Mm-hmm. And then we can at least model it. Like I had a, a meeting this week where client has four kids and, you know, one's in the business, three are not, but three are interested. And so they couldn't even make the decision today if they wanted to. but we can 
get the value, we can start a modeling process, we can start the conversations, and over the next couple of years, a plan will be formulated. So you really have to think far in advance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the next question, which is number, gosh, I think number six already. Whew, mm -hmm. I'm blowing through these questions. I always ask what method or methods have they used to assess the value to date? And, and I ask this primarily to find out, first of all, if they've thought about, you know, business valuation succession, but also it's, it helps me evaluate their current team. You know, we've talked in the past in other podcasts about assembling a team, you know, t Team Tim, where I've got a CPA, an attorney, an insurance professional, a risk management professional, and together we're, we're trying to evaluate and look forward to see how we're going to put this plan together. I am not smart enough to have all the answers, so I need to collaborate with the best and brightest other mm -hmm. professionals to help each client. And this is a starting point where I can identify, okay, what have you been looking at? How have you been doing it? Has your CPA, your attorney, your other advisors been helpful? Um, and then it, it becomes kind of an education process. Tim, I know that we've talked about this specific thing on a previous podcast. In fact, I think it was podcast number two. You, you really dove into it right away that, look, I'm a team player. We need to have a team in place for you as, as an investor. Can you kind of give us a highlight of what podcast two kind of covered? Sure. So I had created a four-part podcast where I talked about looking downstream. And in, in podcast two, it focuses on creating that team. You know, the work you need to do before you approach the river or the work you need to do before you create the exit plan. And it's really going through this process of evaluating who, you know, it's typically a business owner has an internal CFO, an mm -hmm. attorney they have worked with in the past, an insurance agent. It's really just looking at the skill sets of each of those people and evaluating whether it's the same people can be used for protecting the business owner with this exit plan. And if not, then we need to go out and find that team. So it, it is a process to do that. And I did cover that in podcast too. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. So uh, audience members, if you have not heard that podcast, it was fantastic. And it really dives into the reason for it. And one of the things that I, I like most, because it, again, that was one of Tim's first podcasts. And I, I was getting to know him alongside you as the audience. This is where I found out that Tim is incredibly humble because he says, you know, I can't do it all. I will work with the team members you have in place already if they fit. And he also, I know that he's connected with a lot of professionals that are um, incredibly uh, brilliant and, and he works with on a daily basis. And so he can help put that team together as well. But he was, first thing he said is, look, I can't do it all. So please go back and listen to that and you'll get a ton of value out of it. So again, question six was, you know, which method or methods have you used to assess the value of your business? And, you know, how confident are you in the process? I'll give you an example. I met with a client recently, a general contractor, and the, they're required for bonding purposes to go through a process every year. And the bonding company will typically give them a value, but it's really more of a liquidation or value of their assets, not a, not a value, not a assessment of their true ongoing enterprise value, which mm. is different. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. And this gives me a good feel for what the next steps are and, and who I need to bring in on the team. Gotcha. Okay. So question seven. You know, at this point, we've talked about what they want to do. So I'll ask, you know, given your buyer succession plan, whoever you have in mind, you know, I mean, have you thought about who the best leader is for the business? So as you can imagine, Eric, when you have a team in a business, you've got inside sales, outside sales, you have like a contracting firm as estimators, great technical people. Some people are out with the clients. Some people are the visionaries. We really start, we need to start identifying who the key people are and what the roles are. 
you know, I, I, I did a prepared a white paper and I talked about that in a previous podcast where we looked at the five biggest concerns facing the, you know, family owned business construction firms. And from the next gen interviews I did, the biggest concern was what they called role drift or what the roles are. And, you know, so mm. this is a really important pro- part of the process where we're, I'm working with the owners, I'm working with the next generation to figure out what are the roles in the future and how can we, you know, line them up going forward as part of the plan. It's funny you say that because I've never heard the term role drift, but wow, that happens all the time. And it's and, and a lot of times it's people just being eager to help out and, and, and work hard and they start to take things over that aren't necessarily their role and they get stretched too far or, or whatever. But a lot of times it's out of necessity and out of really desire to, to, to help the business succeed. It just happens though. Yeah. And especially, you know, in a family owned business where you, you know, you not only have all the family in the business, but you've got the emotional side of them all growing up together and mm-hmm. all the things that have happened in the previous years. Right. So oftentimes things aren't said, they aren't talked about. Nobody really gets a firm definition. You might give a firm definition to your CFO who's not a family member, but yet not be as specific to your son or daughter. So this is a real issue, especially in family-owned businesses. Absolutely, Tim. I, I think that's, that's fantastic to point out. The interesting thing to me is at this point, this, uh, clients will typically, or if they're a prospect, they'll typically say, well, you know, you haven't even talked about money yet, you know? And it's true. The obviously the investments, the money, the the accounting things that we do are critical. But these are all the more important issues that you need to nail down prior to that. Yeah. So question eight, then you can see the progress. But question eight comes to okay. So what do you think will happen to your customers, your vendors, your employees? You know, your competition if something happens to you. And I I run across this in emergencies. You know, when all of a sudden an owner somebody gets sick, there's mm-hmm. health issues. And the mm-hmm. biggest concern is I can't let it get out. I can't let my competitors, my vendors, my clients know. You have to think about that well in advance. You have to think about a succession plan and you have to start communicating it. You have to start introducing the team to the clients, to the vendors, et cetera. But oftentimes you would think the business owner would say, well, it's all about me. And if I leave, the business goes down the tubes or you know goes away. But the reality is I find that most successful business owners have built an infrastructure and built a team so they really feel like they could over time exit more than you would think so but this is a really critical assessment question to find out where they are in their planning process and really in their thought process Mm -hmm. and then question number nine this gets to the, the the question is you know which planning suggestions have other business advisors given you and and i'm going back to find out about you know relationship management i want to know what other advisors are, are currently really giving them good advice about this? So, you know, typically when I meet with a new business owner and we do a discovery and we gather the information and we go through this process, you know, one of three things happens. Either at this point I say, you know, you're in great shape. You're doing all the right things based on these questions. You're getting great advice. But I give them at least two or three ideas that they can take back to their current advisor. The second you know, alternative that could happen is, and does happen periodically is just not a good fit. You know, so we go through this this question process and we determine that really they're either not at the right stage or they don't know what they want to do or they haven't planned, in which case, you know, we're probably going to refer them to maybe another advisor, but we're just not a good fit for them. And then the third option might be that we invite them to work with us, invite them into our family of clients. And that's the, that's what we hope for, but that doesn't always happen. Got it. All right. 
And then the final question is, you know, what do you see as your greatest challenge when you think about planning for the future? And this is really to try and identify, you know, so we've gone through 45 minutes, an hour of question and answer at this point. They have a good feel for what I'm, I'm really just trying to gather information to help them. I'm getting a better feel for them, you know, in terms of what their thought process is. This is where I try to, at this point, get a vision for what landmines are out there. So I know you're out in the middle of Nebraska, Eric, and I don't know if you've ever gone duck hunting or if you ever, you know, see a duck going right across the little lake. And Mm -hmm. I've seen videos, though, from underwater of what actually happens under there, you know, so you see a duck and it looks so smooth, but they are working, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to dig into. I'm trying to dig down deep and find out what's below the surface. What are the things they're really concerned about? And this is where, you know, what what is the bottom of the iceberg that's going to put a hole in the boat so I can really focus on that? Because what I find often is at this stage, they're telling me things like, well, you know, I've got problems with one of my children or I've got a key vendor problem or we have financial difficulties. But you're really trying to get the key things out of them at this point. Gotcha. So those are the the 10 questions that we ask. And as you can see, the purpose is really to get a better feel for what they've done already, who they're working with, what kind of advisors are giving them advice, you know, what are the risks, what, what do they see as their opportunities. And, and this helps us, at least as a starting point, starting to formulate a plan with them and for them. All right. That, that's, that's the top 10 list. That, that's great, Tim. That's wonderful information. Is there anything else that we need to know? Yeah, I think the other key part or key thing to know is at this point, this is where I want to get the CPA and the, you know, what I call the private client attorney involved. So I've identified who they are with the client and, you know, the, the, the role of the CPA and the private client attorney is typically to get involved on the team at this point, to inform, to educate, to give their perspective, what the owner you know, what their owner's role is going to be, what, what they, and also what the CPA and the private client attorney's role should be in the exit planning process. You know, we really want to collaborate. We really want to facilitate. And it, and we, it, typically we start to do some group meetings where we're facilitating the exit, exit planning process and, you know, coordinating everything almost as like the, the quarterback, you know, for the client. So I, I think it's critical once you've gone through the 10 questions to try and get your, your key advisors together uh, and start them collaborating for you. All right. Perfect. 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 Yeah. So I guess I would, I would leave the podcast today just saying that I think these 10 questions are critical for anybody to ask any business owner to ask themselves. These are the questions we, you know, we ask with our, ask our clients. I think it's critical that you get the CPA and the private client attorney involved when you're thinking about it. As as I said to you earlier, it takes five to 10 years, so mm-hmm. you really need to start it sooner rather than later. And I just want to kind of give a little foreshadowing or talk about the next podcast, which will be, I want to talk about some key drivers, you know, to, to valuation. You know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, or we talked a little bit earlier about how, you know, you do that first valuation and maybe you think you want to just walk away. But if we can spend the next four or five years focusing on key drivers that make your valuation more, make your business worth more so that when you exit, you get more, that's going to be very helpful. And that's what we're going to cover on the next podcast. All right, Tim, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If there's a business owner that's listening to this now going, boy, I don't know the answer to 
a lot of those questions or some of those questions, or I really need to evaluate what be, or maybe they, they already have what they consider um, their succession plan kind of working or, or already kind of in place. If, if they want to have you take a look at it, if they want to, let's call it a second opinion, right? If they want to have another set of eyes on it, besides either their own advisor or just themselves, if they've made it themselves, can they reach out to you and, and uh, talk to you about that? Yeah, what we'd like to do is provide, again, what, yeah, you called it a second opinion. That's that's what we call it. And it's what we do is we stress test their current plans. And it it's really a 90-minute discovery meeting where we gather information about their goals, where they want to be, where they are, okay. and then we identify any gaps. And there's no charge for that. So you can always reach nice. out to me. My direct number is 219-246-5370. Or you can send me an email at tscanell at hightoweradvisors.com. You can also find our website and get some resources at Hightower Great Lakes. Yeah. And if you're listening to this in the car, obviously, we're asking you not to write these numbers down as you drive uh, for safety reasons. The links to the website and to Tim's email directly will be in the podcast summary. So when you get to a safe position, get home, get to your office, pull up the podcast on the computer and the links will be right there and you can just click on the link and, and go right to the website and and uh and contact tim so thank you tim for that and i i know that every business owner out there could use a second set of eyes on their plan just to to shore it up yeah worst case they get two or three good ideas they can take back to their current advisor absolutely all right thank you tim for your time and thank you audience for listening to the wealth stream podcast with tim scannell if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please click the subscribe now button below This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends, family, and colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.